This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we are taking on the mid-sized boys of online wine sales, and we're trying to save you some money. Why don't we take on the big boys, Rick? They're too smart for us. Oh, yeah, good point. (laughs) I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're going to look at whether those online super-duper wine deals are really so super or even a duper. We have some listener questions about restaurant wine service that seem to miss the service part of the clause. We have some horrible wine writing that's boutique and artisan. (laughs) Hint, hint where that's going. And, of course, we will make fun of wine stops. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're going to give you a few cautions about online wine offers. We are, in a way, acting as your consumer protection reporters. So we're actually giving people advice. I'm going to suggest the first advice we give them is don't take advice from us. That's very good advice. I think so. See? see, Pretty safe. See how good we are already? (laughs) That's right. We're right about something already. In this case, we did a little homework. Actually, the dog ate my homework, Rick. All right. um, But you may have prepared for this. I have, and I know it's out of character. And since I don't have a dog, it, it nowhere to go. <laughs> so here's, here's the deal. And we've gotten a handful of questions about this. And I'm sure you get these questions all the time off the air, as do I. You know, and this is more for folks who are a little bit in the wine, you know, that either we read wine sites or something because then you get into their no, vision. You, you actually click on wine once for Google yes. and you suddenly get inundated with years of spam about <laughs> wine clubs. Yes, it's true. It's why I've never clicked on the word car because I'm, <laughs> we're not talking about winery wine clubs. Right. Those are those are legit. Uh, well, uh, legit is a different word too. Yeah. Yeah. But but this is not about that. This, this is about people sending you offers, deals you can't afford to miss. Right. And and our first caution is of course caution. We've all seen them. There's something like you know killer ninety point cab. It's always ninety point. For well, the, it has to be three, ninety points or they can't sell it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And of course, they don't say from whom. That's right. But it's there. Rick gets paid seventeen dollars for every ninety point rating he gives somebody. So, yeah. folks, just keep those checks coming in. Well, yeah, we've we've had this discussion, and in some cases, those real critics, you know, they want to get noticed, and the way they get on the radar. You give it ninety nine points, right. and you're going to get noticed. Right. The first caution when you get that stuff is don't be swayed by the language. I saw this one last week. All of those examples are things that came into my inbox just this week. Wow. You mean you actually get email. I thought with your reputation you wouldn't get well, any. Well, see, they're trying to sell me something. That's the only there people. That's why, I, that's, that's why I read these is because that's the only people who, who are <laughs> well, dumb well, enough to you. send me an email. <laughs> yeah. So here's one. An incredible Napa cab that would cost triple the price if it had a different label. Then they name drop a couple of super high-priced wines and said this cab was from two vineyards that those producers use. Yeah. That could mean anything. It could mean anything. It could be the last grapes lying on the ground. It could be. be. There's a reason those two wineries don't use these grapes from that (laughs) vineyard. There's another way to look at it. I mean, one of my friends, I had a friend who wanted to make wine, and he came up and he called me after having spent a few times visiting wineries in the Napa Valley. He said, man, he said, I got a great deal on some barrels that a winery didn't want. And I said, there's a reason the winery didn't want those barrels. The barrels are bad. 
Well, there's a reason people don't use some of these grapes. There's a reason that these wines don't have the label of the famous winery on them. So that, first of all, that's your first caveat. Yes. It's going to be different, and it is different. That's why it doesn't have that high price label. Right, and every winery that has that uses vineyards have, has grapes grown to their specs as well. That's right. So you know, even these two great big-name wineries are going to have grapes grown differently between them. Absolutely. Right. Um, here's another, and I, I find this one is a, a far more egregious trick. That's I saw a this big one word, the other day. You know. I, I had to look it up. <laughs> I was looking for something that meant bad. <laughs> this is a more bad trick. A worser trick. <laughs> a worser trick. <laughs> Ridge 2001 Cabernet Sauvignon Estate, Montebello Vineyard, Santa Cruz Mountains. Mm. All right. So here's the thing. If folks who know much about or even anything about sort of the Santa Cruz Mountains and Cabernet know— great California wine in general. Ridge Montebello. That is a world-class wine, great winemaker, fabulous wine. It's not this wine. Right. And let me continue the quote. From the winery known for their Montebello Vineyard Cabernet, which placed fifth in the famous Judgment in Paris—in Paris. Really, I got that wrong. Judgment of Paris tasting— uh, this estate cab is sourced entirely for—they say form. See, I say when the grammar is bad, <laughs> yeah, then it's run. when you check. Yeah, That's right. right. But they meant from the Montebello Vineyard. So what they're doing is—this is, this is the, actually the same producer. It's a ridge. It's ridge, right. but it's not—it's like their second label. And so it's right. not the ridge Montebello. It's a different—an entirely right. it, different it wine. It is, in fact— the wine that comes from the same place that Paul Draper, who's the winemaker at Ridge, said, I'm Not picking this grape, these grapes, to make Montebello Cabernet. These grapes aren't quite good enough, so I'm going to bottle them in a separate label that's dis- different so that I can sell it for less money because it's not, in my opinion, as the winemaker, as good as Ridge Montebello. We need to say this. The, the Ridge Estate Cab is pretty darn good. It's but, beautiful wine. But the Montebello but it is isn't a, Montebello. It's $130 to $140 a bottle of wine. It is a terrific wine. It's yes. something special. This is... Um, and the other thing is 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 the price, and and I've done this a couple of times where I, I looked up the prices, and this is where you need to really kind of keep an eye on these prices. Yeah. So they had it at the bottle price of fifty bucks, forty nine ninety five. Okay. Case price of forty five. Okay. So I just did, a, and there's a way to do this. I just did is really easy ways to do a Google search. But there's a couple of places where right. you can go. Yep. Wine Searcher is one. Yep. Here's another easy one: is uh, 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 wine and was wine and more, right? Is that uh, uh, could yeah. be? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the yeah. just the you know the the very large wine. I'm blanking at the moment. Uh, total wine, total wine. I'm sorry, total wine. So if you look at the right. total wine wine site, because this is this is a, a retail store that you could go walk in and buy, or you could order either yes. way. Um, and total, and you look up those prices, and I found plenty of places where it was forty-four dollars. So there, you had so to they're buy offering to you at fifty as a special deal, and well, you no, can buy it. They told you it was fifty, but they're offering you for forty-five. Well, right, forty fifty as a bottle, forty-five right. as a case. And yet, a lot of other places have it at forty-four, forty-five dollars anyway. Yes, and this is also another one of the things that happens often in a lot of these sales is you need to buy a couple. Right. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to order right. wine online, you might as well right. buy a couple. But but that also takes Yeah, I'm actually, this doesn't strike me as being egregious, to use your word. Um, is it worser? And it's not worser. Um, it is, however, really clear, you need to be really clear that you are not buying Ridge Montebello Cabernet for $50 a bottle. You're buying a wine made by Ridge that sells, basically, they're selling it at the suggested retail price that Ridge prices the wine at. It's a good wine, 
at $50. I think it's a good value for that wine. But this is not a screaming deal. This is not a, oh, my gosh, I'm getting a $140 bottle of wine for $50. Yeah, it's not the price so much that's the issue. It is the the implication. The implication. Absolutely right. Right. a couple others that I that I checked out too. A uh, stag leap, and in fact, I got kept on getting this one uh, all all week. So this tells uh-huh. you something else going. So another very good winery, another really solid wine. Stag leap wine cellars, two thousand twelve Artemis Cabernet Sauvignon, yep. which is another one. It's in that same ballpark of yep. of, of the Ridge Estate, yep. not not their highest end stuff. Right. And they they had you know regular price crossed out. Forty nine ninety five, forty seven ninety five a case price. A few days later, forty six. Then a few days later, forty four. So you know, it's the price is going down, which tells you. And and by the way, it was a uh, lots of places. It was forty to thirty five, thirty eight, forty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Tells you that they they were trying to get rid of it. Well, one of the things I would say is anytime, sadly, the wine industry has become become very much like the um, discount furniture business. In that when you see a price listed, normally $600 for this sofa set, yes, now yes. only $299, you can pretty much just take that normally price and put it right through the shredder and think, okay, let's not even pay attention it's, to yeah, that. because it never was. It never was. It never will be. And nobody ever paid that for it. Yeah. So let's just say, is this a good wine for $40 a bottle? Yeah, it's a pretty nice wine. $40 is a lot of money for wine. But- is it a good wine? It's a good wine. But was it a $64 bottle of wine? Not unless you can find somebody who paid $64 for it, and yeah. I can't. And by the way, this this one came uh, in each time that I got it, it was, uh, you know, you had I had like 18 hours or 22 oh, hours. or It's always some or it could odd be gone. number of hours. Yeah. Right. Could yeah. be gone. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I, then after you buy it, you get another one that says, now that you bought it, we'll sell you two more bottles for less money because we still haven't sold this stuff. Yeah, that's right. And the last, last one I want to bring up, and the price-wise, I, I, only because I got a chuckle out of this one, which is Naomi Pinot Noir. And right. the, you had to buy by two. This is which, a, which, by the way, is one of the most popular wines on the planet. Yeah, I actually, some stats that I read, um, it was the, the number one buy-the-glass red in yes. America yeah. in restaurants. Yeah, very uh, famous wine. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it is, uh, it's found everywhere. They made it sound extraordinarily rare. Right. You had to buy two. Um, it, it two was for basically fifty bucks, uh-huh. um, and you know I've never gone into a store and not seen it for twenty twenty one. You know, right. it's Safeway. I but, think the suggested retail on this is twenty five, but yeah. the suggested retail from a winery means most people are going to sell it for a couple bucks underneath that. Sure. So if you buy two. You get to pay an additional four dollars a bottle. Yeah, and the the reason why I got a chuckle out of it because that afternoon I was uh, at my CVC pharmacy and saw it for eighteen ninety nine at the CVC. <laughs> so that's that, that was the only reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same same vintage. So let's talk just a little brief about where these wines come from for this stuff. You know, sometimes they've just sometimes they've just got a contract with somebody to to get rid of some of their wines. Well, but um, in in these cases, frankly, none of these wines are being discounted very much. Right. These are pretty right. much, in fact, these are more expensive. So I don't think they got a contract to get rid of the wine. I think what happens is these folks have a mailing list, and they're just hoping that their mailing list readers aren't paying enough attention to know that you could go down to your corner CVS pharmacy and buy the same wine for two dollars less. Yeah. When we get into our horrible wine writing, I have I have another example. Um, uh, this is actually from one of the suppliers. Oh yeah. But the other part of it is there's always um, there there are a lot of these folks, and it depends on the supplier, have their own wines, their own blend. What they've done is they've made basically they've bought bulk wine from the same vineyard. Yes. 
that the produces yes. the most famous wine in the world, yeah. we've been able to find you yes. something that sells for $13. Yes, and what I love is that they always have <laughs> names that sound very similar to something. Chateau Latour. Yeah. Chateau Sp- Barrow Hawk. Chateau or, Latour de Cushman. Yes, yes, exactly. it's something like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> Robert Mondovino, you know, or it's something. It's, yeah. Yes, um, it's, it's, that's right. It's like your Selco watch. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of the things that's changed in the business was that there used to be a lot more where um, wineries did contract with a lot of these online sales guys to, to, to sell, to get them into the market. Where right. they were selling batches for pretty good right. prices. The problem was a lot of wineries found that that then people expected them. That one, they thought that two things happened. One, that they, they got viewed as a discount winery. Well, of course. And two, that people expected their wines to be at Always that price. Always sell for those cheap prices, and that's a lousy deal. Right. And for so, the winery. so what it means for you, the consumer, is there really are going to be very few great deals. What will happen is there'll be wines that are relatively okay priced at relatively. You know, never. It's never going to be the screaming deal that they say it is, or I'm, rarely going to be the screaming I'm, deal. They say I'm going to disagree with you on the first part of that, and agree with you wholeheartedly on the second. That there the, won't be any. The harder that someone tells you that it's a screaming deal, the less oh, likely yeah. oh, that yeah, is yeah, to yeah. be true. There are still screaming deals out there, but they are much more obvious. And they don't require, they don't have long paragraphs of sales hype around them. And just to use an example, um, um, two quick examples. These are wines that are not currently very popular in America. Fino Sherry. You can buy really good Fino Sherry for about $20, $25 a bottle. It is a world-class wine. It's a screaming deal for that price. But you're not going to get any, you know, discount place to send you a long, complete, because it's not popular. The way to get screaming deals in the wine business is to buy wines that are not currently popular. Yeah. And and it's really easy to look around and look in a, without endorsing any of them, but there's all those folks out there that sell wine from Amazon to Total Wine to yep. everybody else. Look through them. Look at a couple a couple places where- Always you, check the prices. Yeah. You'll yeah. discover that, sure enough, somebody else has that same wine from probably less money, and you don't have to read all all the purple pros to get to it. Right. And and if there's a winery that you haven't heard of, Google it. And if you can't find it, what it means is that the supplier is the one that's put it together, which right. doesn't necessarily make it a bad wine. Just it it's you know you you, you have to sort of then go in with a little bit no, more. No, but the of a good news about that tactic, Rick, is once you go online and you Google the winery, you will now be assaulted with thousands of emails selling you that wine over the next ten years. Right, and, and fill w- your spam. And filter. one of those might actually be a good price. <laughs> well, we come to you at a really good price, and when we come back, we will have questions for you. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it is time to take some questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer on the show or anywhere, really, but we try to do it on the show, go to rickandpaulwine.com. That's all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. You can also uh, find us on iTunes and subscribe for free with just a click. You don't even have to listen. You can just subscribe, but we prefer that you listen to the show as well. Uh, if, if you're new to us and you're wondering uh, what it is that we are doing here, uh, giving you financial advice. Um, do we, not take financial advice we from have the Rick same question. or for, from Paul. Bad idea. No. 
and I'm not sure you should even take our wine advice, but we have been in the industry. Paul is a respected pro. He answers questions on allexperts.com, where he does not give financial advice. I do not. He teaches at Napa Valley College, where he also does not give financial <laughs> advice, and, and, and around the world. And he knows lots of folks in the business, and he does not give them financial advice either. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick is a best-selling author, New York Times bestseller list about wine, longtime journalist. None of what Rick has written about is financial advice, so don't take his financial Although advice either. Although one needs a business either. book. There you go. But there's no advice. There's no advice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our first question comes from Olivia Wright in San Francisco. She says, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm giggling as I read the question. Yeah. I, I like where it goes. So <laughs> so we were out to dinner at a fairly decent restaurant where the wine guy was overdressed. That's the part That's I giggled That's a great at. line. Yes. The wine guy was overdressed. Yes. And I... And you can tell she's suspicious. Yes. And so am I. Yes. Right. He seemed really nice, though, until I said, I like wine that's smooth. He kind of gave me grief, like, what did I mean? And I said, you know, smooth, not hard to drink. He didn't look happy, but we got a Pinot Noir that was pretty good. So what was up with him? What's wrong with smooth? Nothing's wrong with smooth. Everything is wrong with the sommelier. If I am a sommelier and the customer tells me they want a smooth wine, I understand perfectly well that what they mean is they want a wine that doesn't have a lot of tannin if it's a red wine, doesn't have a lot of acidity if it's a white wine. And my job then is to make them feel like they are smart and clever for having identified that in the wine they like and bring them something they'll love. And this guy's an idiot. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think the overdressed part. We're, we're being a tiny bit unfair because it is sort of one of the traditions of wine service. But, you know, what, to be rude, to be snobby. No, no, and to be overdressed. overdressed. <laughs> Just the overdressed, not the rude and the snobby part. But, okay. but, but I do. But I still disagree with it as a tradition because the idea is to make your customers happy and comfortable. You know, as a journalist, uh, you know, I'm, I somehow managed to survive in the business for years. But one of the rules was always that you dress like the people you cover. Right. So they forget that your being there runs counter to their best interests. Right. And right. and the truth is, is it's the same well, for service. You want your customers to feel comfortable, so they forget that you're that there's a but gap. You know, Americans have a little issue with service. There, a, a lot of Americans are not particularly comfortable with the idea of servants. Right. I mean, right. Rick, I know you only have a couple at your no, house. I, you know, I, right, I had was to let him go. I got rid of at least a dozen. Had of them. to let yeah. him go. Yeah. So there is that issue of you know how do we treat someone who's theoretically supposed to be serving me? And then on the flip side of that, you've got the service people who, on the one hand, think it's their job to get these diners to shape up and behave in their very nice restaurant. And then you've got, at the other end of the spectrum, the people, you almost feel like they're going to pull up a chair and say, hey, I'm Larry. I yeah. might join you for a couple of bites here yeah. while I bring you your food. Is that okay with you? Um, somewhere in the middle is where we're supposed to be. And this guy clearly missing the boat. Right. You know, uh, we've talked about this in the past. I uh, consult with some restaurants and I teach wine service, not, you know, the formal wine service, but how to speak English about wine. That's good, because the formal wine service, you'd be lousy I'm, at. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I don't dress well enough. I don't dress well enough. But actually, it is the it is it's the guy. It's usually the guy who's had some wine training that is the most trouble with that. Um, and frankly, uh, it's, the, the sad part is she wanted smooth wine, and the one thing she didn't get was a smooth sommelier. Yeah, because a smooth sommelier would have known how to solve that problem in a heartbeat. That's true. All right, we have a whole bunch more questions. We only took one, but we will give you a bunch when we come back later on in the show. Um, But we're moving on because uh, coming up is some bad wine writing that fits our theme. Oh, boy. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. 
Ah, yes, yes, yes. That's our wacky music for our wacky wine writing, although what we're at today is not wacky. Wee-wee wacky. (laughs) Wee-wacky, yes. Um, You want me to start? Yes, please. Well, the word I've chosen today that I just think is so comical when people use it is brooding. You had this wine has a brooding entry, brooding dark fruit, long brooding finish. It makes me think of a guy with really big eyebrows. But yeah. I have no idea what it means in terms of what the wine tastes like. Could be Olivia's wine server. Could no, because no, he's, he wasn't brooding. He, he was he uh, wasn't brooding. Yeah. He was. Yeah. It's he's pain. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And jerk. Yeah, brooding is it's it's a it's a wine that is uh, it's it's um, it's James Dean. No, it's uh, no, Jane Eyre. Yeah, Jane Eyre. There it's you go. Brooding. Yeah, that's right. We need fog coming in off of the moors, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, brooding wine. Brooding wine. You know, I mean, breeding wine. I understand that. That's wine you drink when you. Well, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, by the way, I saw a brooding entry once, uh, you know, not so long ago on a, on a tasting note. A brooding, yeah, a I don't brooding even know that, entry. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where the wine comes in the door and then looks down and, and looks. Big eyebrows. Yeah, it's got to have eyebrows. big eyebrows. Yeah, and, and sometimes, like the large, uh, the, whatchamacallit, the, the mutton chop mutton sideburns. Chops. He needs a mutton chop sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Yeah. Well, mine is a little, a little more complicated because I've got a, uh, a wine club offer. Oh yes, the purple pros. Yeah, it's we did, need. I, getting, did you have to re- respond within twenty three minutes? Um, this one I had until eleven fifty nine the next day, or the offer was going okay. away. Or, or oh, oh no, I'm sorry. This one came with a fifteen dollar credit that I I don't know how I earned it, but I had fifteen dollar credit coming that expired by eleven fifty nine. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. So notice the descriptions. First, it's the same Cabernet from this folks, but one is the two thousand twelve and one is the two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. First, okay, I'm going to read you. I'm, I'm going to read you how they sold it before they give me the the description of the wine. Okay. On 2012, they said, "This time around, nailed it." In short, this is a wine we're truly proud of, and you'll be ever so delighted to have it on your wine rack. Well, well, so could, this, can this, you drink it, or do you just have to have it in the wine rack? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, you got to keep it in the wine rack. Um, <laughs> in 2013, they say. We can't be modest. This is the best-tasting vintage of the cab we've ever created. In short, this is a wine we're truly proud of. You'll be ever so delighted to have it on your wine rack. So apparently you can't drink this one either. And what, forgive me, Rick, but what a remarkable similarity between those two notes. Well, wait until you hear these. Okay. Um, How do they describe this wine, Rick? So there's two things that I love about this. One, it's Cabernet. This is a description. Black currants, Bing cherry, mocha, and fresh figs notes compromise the core of this, comprise, excuse me, the core of this rich wine. The structure consists of benchmark Cabernet Sauvignon traits. This is polished, vibrant, and distinctive. Moderate acidity combines with firm but revealing tannins. The complexity of the dark plum fruit with the secondary aromas provides a seamless balance, while the savory herb notes and nutmeg-scented oak linger throughout the wonderfully firm finish. Enjoy this wine now or through the next decade. In your wine rack. In your wine rack. Okay. So here's the thing. The wow. 2013 okay. description, Yeah, it's exactly the same. <laughs> word for word. Word for they word. They just cut and pasted. They just cut and pasted it. And, 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 and they're not being modest. And what I liked about it, though, it is... It is in somewhat skillfully done to not really say anything, yeah. but to make it sound delicious, polished, vibrant, and distinctive. Yes. Th- that means I like nothing. the revealing tannins. Yes. I, 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 yes. You know? Secondary rooms provide a seamless balance, whatever that is. You yes. Know? Yeah. And the, uh, uh, th- although the, the one nutmeg-scented nutmeg oak in, is in both of them, which is a little bit odd, and the wonderfully well, firm. Well, it's literally word for word the same, right? Yes. Yes. So that's, you know, when we start to talk about um, <laughs> not trusting these guys, 
Boy, they deserve just, it. Yeah, that's um, they that, deserve it. Yeah, the uh, what I I also did like the we have to go because we see this so often from um, from wine writers as well. But you know this uh, the black currants, Bing cherry, mocha, and fresh figs. Those are like four completely different things. Right. And it's it's sort of like they reached for one of everything so that you might find something there you liked. I'm still I'm I'm still fixated on the firm but revealing tannins. You know, that is a sexy line. I have no idea what it means in terms of wine, but it is firm but revealing tannins. My wa- my walk has been called that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're gonna walk on out of this. Yes, and we are. Walk on over to the second half of the show. You we will be hey, we have it. lots of questions when you come back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe with a little bitty click. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Oh, oh, yes. I, I feel I feel noble. I feel like it's time to time travel. Time travel into a winery where the same description is yes, used repeats year over and, and over. year. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> a groundhog day. It's of a groundhog wine. day of wine sales. That's yes, fabulous. Absolutely. Uh, no, it's history moment time. History I, moment. Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story from the Old West. As I recall, I read this in Mark Twain. I could be wrong, but it's a story about someone in a fine dining establishment during the gold rush in San Francisco. And there are four barrels of wine on the back bar. The first one is labeled California red wine. The second one is labeled fine wine from Livermore. Because, of course, in those days, Livermore Livermore was was, like the wine country, right? Next, Bordeaux. And the next one, Chateau Latour. (laughs) That's funny. And the pricing for California red wine, 50 cents a glass. For Livermore Valley red wine, a dollar a glass. For Bordeaux, $4 a glass. Wow. For Chateau Latour, $10 a glass. Well, that's that's serious money the, in those days. Of course, in those days, an egg cost you bucks. So, right, you know, it's right. really not that different from right. prices today. Um, Nobody put the egg in the wine glass. <laughs> the guy, the guy walks in and he orders for the sheer fun of it because he's just made. You know, he's just he got his. Rich. He's yeah. struck it rich. He's got his grub steak there and he's got his sack of gold. Give me one of each, and you know where this is going, right? He tastes each one of the wines, and it's all the same wine. Uh, and you know what? He would be proud to have it in his wine rack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same wine. And when he confronts the guy behind the bar, the guy says, drink whichever one you want. I don't care. But people like it this way. <laughs> yeah. And there you well, go. And that guy actually understood. Uh, he was ahead of his time because, yes, remember, we was. have talked about this often. We will again about how when people know the price of a wine, they like it more. Oh, it tastes better. We have that uh, that great better. Caltech study where, you know, they did a blind, uh, they um, functional MRI'd them is what they did. Yes. And, um, and they told well, them the wine was expensive. someone to do that to us for years. <laughs> yes, but they want to, they're trying to find if we're functional. They can't, they can't get a signal. <laughs> so they decided we're not. But they they hooked them up and they told them that they were going to drink expensive wine. And before they even touched the glass, they were in love. They, they loved were it. In... Their pleasure centers lit yes. up. It's yep. like when people listen to us, their pleasure centers lit up. Right. Well, <laughs> since we're going down this road of uh, of fakes, I'm only going back to the old, old days of 1985. Uh-huh. And there was the auction at the Venerables Christie's in London, you know, one of the great auction houses. Yes. It was a hand-blown bottle. Dark green glass, thick wax seal, no label, but etched into the glass was the year 1787, the word Lafitte, and the letters T-H period J. 
Ah, uh, yes. The famous Signifying bottle. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. It was and still is actually the most expensive individual wine bottle ever sold at auction, $157,000 to Malcolm Forbes. Yes. Who uh, liked wine, by Who the liked way. wine, yeah. Uh, lots of other folks um, bought it too. Actually, this the wine was allegedly... And you can see where I'm going. Allegedly <laughs> found in a bricked-up wine cellar in an old building in Paris by a German wine collector, uh, soon-to-be uh, uh, ignominious figure named Hardy Rodenstock. That's right. One of the other collectors who bought it is a guy named Bill Koch from the Koch brothers, but he's the third Koch brother. And yes, he's, he's actually— He's the one who races in the America's Cup and won the America's yes, Cup. Yes, and, and spends his money the way I believe all rich people should, which is on kind of fun stuff. And anyway, fast forward to 2005. So Koch is—he's uh, actually donated— Donating his bottle to a Jefferson exhibit, you mm-hmm, know, he's, mm-hmm. and contributed, and the curator at Monticello says, "Well, you know, Jefferson is this really good note taker, meticulous oh, man. He kept journals of everything. Yes, and you know what? This was not in there. He never mentioned buying this kind of wine. She also says he used a semicolon, not a period. There you go. And Coke is one of these guys that he doesn't take this kind of thing lying down. He he actually has on staff a former FBI agent who's now a detective guy named Jim Elroy. He sends him off to and I like this this detective novel story. So he sends him off to discover. And what Elroy does is he goes and there's something called uh, cesium one thirty seven, which is an, a thing that did not exist before uh, the atomic bomb. The atomic bomb set right. off. That's and right. so you can always tell if a wine is older than nineteen forty five. Right, because if it's got cesium-137, it's after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So here's what they do. They go, I think it's like a mile underground so that there's no atmosphere. They shield the test in a pre-1945 lead, and then they test for the cesium. No cesium. No cesium. So that's not proof. Of course, it could be 1943, but it it, it does not prove. Although it turns out actually another bottle of this— sold to another collector, tested too high for a carbon element that uh-huh. carbon-14 uh-huh. what it's called, but okay. um, but this was a little bit later. So this guy, he's starts to look at it, and he's thinking, that's a really even carving of the, the letters. Right. So he goes to his friends at Quantico, and he says, you know, and, he, and guys who can analyze this sort of thing, and they said they, they put him on the guy, and it turns out it was carved with a dental drill. So as one of the guys— I didn't realize that Thomas Jefferson had dental drills. Well, you know, he had very good teeth. Unlike, <laughs> unlike George, George Washington. Washington. See, actually, somebody said that'd be like taking a photo of Lincoln holding an iPhone. <laughs> it wouldn't. So that's how the, that's how this all got uh, it got caught. Yeah, because uh, in the old days, you had to etch everything by hand with with little uh, grit, and it was not particularly yes. Or use accurate. your iPhone to call for a better carver. That's right. Yeah. So, so end result was. Turns out the wines weren't really Thomas Jefferson's Turns wines. Turns out they were not. No. Man, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. There's, but they there's... still, you know, Rick, I think I think Malcolm Ford has missed boats because they still would have looked really good in the wine rack. Yes. He would have been proud to have them in his wine rack. He would have been proud to have them in the wine rack. <laughs> yes. That's all that really matters. Yeah. And you, you could have sold them online if, for the next 24 <laughs> hours <laughs> for eleven ninety nine. <laughs> all right. You know, I, I, we want to say this, too, that, you know, the wine clubs are a lot more complicated than what we're making them sound. You know, not everybody is criminalized out there. There's lots of publications that have wine clubs like the Wall Street Journal and, and Forbes themselves. Well, and, I, and to be fair, I buy wine online frequently for the classes that I teach, and I work with some reputable wine stores that make it an absolute delight to do business with them. They have very fair pricing. They have an exceptional assortment of wines larger than any single store I can find, even in the Napa Valley. So absolutely, we agree on this stuff. But what we are saying is when somebody sends you the offer that's too good to be true— 
Usually is. Guess what? Yeah. So, yeah, that rule applies to wine, too. And so do your due diligence. Um, you know, we should start a wine club. We should. We could make yep. some money. You know, I know where there's these bottles that I found in a secret <laughs> cellar. That have been, been, and... I know a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's our next business. Hey, we only need $157,000 a bottle. We only need one yeah, sale. That's true. One sale. We are good. <laughs> You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. When we come back, more questions from listeners. And next week, that could be you. Stay with us. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Ball. We are going back to our questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, we will try to answer it. We, will give you, we won't give you advice, but we will try to answer it, and uh, we will give you credit. Go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, and don't forget you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free, one little itty-bitty click. Uh, this one comes from Michelle in St. Helena. Ooh, that's the heart of the Napa Valley. It is. And she asked that we only use her first name for that very reason, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Ma'am, she says, why do some people make fun of me when I say I like buttery Chardonnay? Oh, uh, yes. Well, that's an easy question to answer. Because they're knuckleheads. Well, they're knuckleheads. And just to be really clear here, buttery Chardonnay is quite possibly one of the most popular wine styles on the planet. Yep. And that's what they are making fun of you for. You like popular wine. It's a little bit like walking into uh, Davies Symphony Hall in San Francisco or Carnegie Hall in New York and saying, I just really like Top 40 radio. And everyone there will look down at you and say, you're an idiot. But in fact, Top 40 radio is a lot of fun to listen to and millions upon millions upon millions of people enjoy it. So enjoy the buttery Chardonnay and tell those people to shut up. Yes. And hit them, hit them with an elbow or something. You know, it is, it's unfortunate because this is, it's true in everything. And, you know, if, uh, whatever, whether it's music or movies, although movies may be a little less so. But, you know, if you like something that's popular, it sort of marks you as not one of the cool kids. That's right. Um, but, you know, we say this about wine. It's probably more prevalent in wine than it is in anything. Um, but we say this about wine as much as we would say anything, but it's true about anything. If you Are love you it, you're say right. something? If you love it, you're right. <laughs> okay. I, you hate it, you're right. Yes, I was getting there. <laughs> okay. I was getting there. No. I was actually, I was, I was, you know, I was trying to decide <laughs> if wine was worse than anything else. And, I, and my answer to myself was is, yes. Yes, it probably is. It is. I think yeah, wine I think is worse. I think you're right. I yes. think wine so is worse. Rick and I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the, that's where all that went. Oh, so you, yeah, you got to just not let it bug you. You really That's do. right. And and the truth is buttery chardonnay is very popular style and it is really good in some situations. I'm not a fan of it, for example, with a delicate light fish dish, but with a roast turkey, it's a pretty darn good match with a roast turkey. M- might match our food and wine pairing coming in a bit too. Ooh, I can hardly wait. Yep. yep Dang, yep, I'm yep. getting hungry yep. again. Um, we have another question. This one is from uh, the leader of our loyal listener club in Fresno. This is Jill McCarthy. Uh, wow. And she says, I'm really starting to like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. They all seem to be kind of similar. Is that just me or is that something that they do have? In that I think what she's saying is, and you know, I say this all the time when I teach these classes where you help people to decide a style that you like, yeah. is that there's probably no single sort of regional wine that's more or less consistent than New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Not to say that there aren't ranges in quality and depth and things like that, but there's a there's a profile to New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that is very consistent. Okay, so you are right that New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc has consistency. It is consistent in style. It's bright. It's lively. It has 
good acidity. It's fresh. Uh, has some interesting aromatics that are slightly on the greener, um, more herbal character side. The phrase that often comes up is grassy. However, you're dead wrong that New Zealand is the best example of that because that is the entire basis of European wine labeling law. Yes, but... <laughs> I think there's a reason. For, there's a couple of reasons. One of the because the because Sauvignon Blanc itself is is a is a less you know it, no, it's, it's less main. The reason the reason you say it is of course because for an American it's easy to say you're absolutely right. New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I understand now. If you went to them and said yes, but if you had the Sauvignon Blancs from Cancy in in the Loire Valley in France, they would say, "Where's Quincy?" So, but it's a, has north of uh, has, uh, writing has no, very defined regulations on how they make their wines. The wines have a very clear style. It is the essence yes. of Appalachian law in well, Europe. And the truth is, New Zealand's a good example of it, but there are hundreds of examples in Europe that well, are also very let me, good examples. Let me rephrase that to the most readily available example of it, okay, because I that, think that is one that we are all going to recognize, uh, and probably I, most easily recognized by American palates as well, in part because we don't taste those, in part because we don't have access to those. You know, you can taste, there's many, you know, I mean, you know, I was uh, in Chianti Classico not so long ago, well, and there was, was a huge say, range, but there was a huge range in what they were. Uh, the, you know? A huge range, but when, if you were to give the average American consumer, if you were to give them 10 bottles of Chianti and say, do these taste like California wine or do they taste something different, they would come pretty clear as identifying Chianti and Chianti Classico as different in a very distinctive way. So I'm, I, I, I think that these European regions are pretty accurate in doing what they're doing that way. Yeah, all right. Well, there you go. You have, as you always get around here, you've got two opinions. You got Paul's and you got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say you have two, and and neither one of them is accurate. Yeah, well, that's actually far. That's when now, now we are both accurate. Um, do do we have time for another question? Uh, I think we do. Okay. Um, okay. Well, then let is let me find it. it Yes. Are you, have you got something there that you're looking yes. for? Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. And we've um, got the, he's got the mail pouch. Yes. I'm sorry. I look at the mail pouch, and I was a bit confused on our time. We apparently have far more time than—, than uh, See, this is why you don't take math advice from us. Well, uh, <laughs> So this one's a wine service question, and it's something like the other wine service question we had. A little bit different, though. This is from uh, Tim Garcia in Sunnyvale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a sommelier the other night who kept correcting my pronunciation. Not once, but twice. I had a guy like that, too, by the way. Um, well, with you, there's a reason. Yes. He, I, he said I said hello wrong. Yeah, well, I, 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 I got to tell you, is it's a good thing you didn't ask me to do that on our Cinco de Mayo show because yes, no. I would have. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't uh, pretend to be able to pronounce anything. Actually, uh, in any case, <laughs> that's Tim, why he's on the radio, folks. <laughs> yes, that, exactly, yeah. yeah. You wonder sometimes. <laughs> All right, Tim. So Tim's saying his psalm was uh, messing with him. He says not once but twice, and he did it while I was trying to ask him a basic question like, "What's the wine like?" To make matters worse, I was on a second date with a person who seems to still like me. How should I handle that situation? Well, marry the person. Yeah, if she I mean, still likes him. Yeah, or, yeah that's what, that's what he, I did. He or she, it's yeah. not clear. Yeah. But yes, if you've got someone who, who likes you after that process, there is a person with compassion in their heart, and you want to you wanna hook up with them immediately. Um, so can I tell a story about this? Yes, you can. Okay, because I once— was Like in, I could stop you? I was <laughs> once in New York with my daughter and a friend of hers, and I took the two young ladies out to dinner at a decent Italian restaurant. Nothing too fancy, but a nice little place. And the 
the young lady, the, our guest, my f- daughter's friend, really clearly didn't know very much about Italian food, uh, had not been to a lot of Italian restaurants. And I can't remember what it was she ordered, but it could have been something like the lasagna. Which, you know, of I've course, had some fine lasagna. Well, the waiter immediately said, Signorina, e lasagna. Okay, fine. He's going to correct the lasagna. Well, my daughter orders bruschetta. And, of course, he's got to pop in with, Eh, signorina, e bruschetta. Okay, I've had it with this guy. We're supposed to be having a nice time. He's now embarrassed the two young ladies in my presence. So when he turns to me, he, um, I order my dinner, and then he says, would you like to order some wine? And I said, well, yes, I would. I would like the Poliziano Vino Nobile de Montepulciano. And he looks at me, and he said, excuse me? And I said, it's number 36 on your wine list. <laughs> and you know what? He never corrected our pronunciation again after that. I, I thought he said, no, it's 36. Trinti <laughs> say. Yeah. Trinti yeah. <laughs> say. Yeah. yeah. This is somebody just being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And, you know, it is. There's, I mean, I mean I'm going to give this some if he did it once, there's we, we do tend to have this knee-jerk reaction sometimes when somebody mispronounces a name. Was somebody what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but For those in the listening audience, Rick just mispronounced the word mispronounced. Mis- yeah, well, that's it. See? And see, see he and his knee-jerk reaction was to correct me. <laughs> but when people mispronounce a name, we all sort of do that with, okay, once. Yeah. But 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 the difference is the second time, second time, no and excuse. also because you are serving your person. Yes, you know now now you know and, there's and and he did it in front the of the date. Right, I did it to you in front of a listening audience of only one other person. So that's a, <laughs> yeah, and, actually a different. And, and she would expect it anyway. <laughs> yes. No, your wife doesn't listen. No, it's that's true. I was I'm thinking about Jill. Uh, yeah, and okay, she yeah. she knows me well enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so. Uh, Yes, there's in just fact, there's nothing. There's no reason for that. In fact, when you do the practic, practical exam for the Court of Master Sommeliers, when you want to become a Master Sommelier, one of the tests in the exam, they ask you to wait on a table. And the people at the table are, in fact, Master Sommeliers masquerading as customers. And they make mistakes. And they say things wrong. And they do things wrong. And if you correct them, they fail you. Yeah. Good for them. You will not yes. become a master sommelier if you go around the restaurant telling people how to mm-hmm. pronounce things. Yeah, and it, there's just no good reason at all for that, and it, it is, and it's just unfortunate. It also it is a, it's something that is you know I don't want to say endemic, but it's found commonly in wine service, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Now we don't want to make it sound. You and I both have, as you, we've talked about it a lot, some really good friends who are really great psalms. Yes, they're terrific at what they yep. do. They're very good at service. They make people feel comfortable. It's a joy to watch them sometimes. Um, and so we don't want to make it sound like there's that's all that's out there. But there is this thing where you know it's like I see this. I see this among chefs. I see this in the coffee business. I see this in, yes. in the craft beer. Although yes. in, in it's much... a little knowledge as a social weapon. Yes. And you know what? That's all well and good at a cocktail party, but when somebody when I'm paying somebody to serve me food, I don't need that. Yeah, and I figure, you know, nobody needs a social weapon with me. They, they're already they're already way <laughs> you're, over you're my already, head. You're already you're completely disarmed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, our next question comes comes from Susan Wynn in Berkeley. Uh-huh. Uh, a friend of mine bought me a wine from Bordeaux that I really liked. So I look up some Bordeaux and saw names that all seem the same, like Grand Cru, Premier Cru, Premier Grand Cru. What is all that? Do those mean the same thing? Oh, oh. 
actually, in some oh, ways, in some so ways, Susan, yes. they do mean the same thing because anytime you see the word grand or premier on one of those words next to crew. See, it, notice how he didn't pronounce my uh, pronunciation, uh, correct my pronunciation of <laughs> premier. It means you're going to spend more money on those bottles. Well, that's true. That's what it means, yeah. pure and simple. They are, over the years, they have been identified by the French as being the best of the best, and they're going to cost more money. Now, uh, each region has slightly different regulations as to how you become a Grand Cru. And what the terms mean. That's part of the problem is, is that the, also the, each term that means the same thing, they have different words for it. But in general. But in general, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As you're approaching these wines, know that Premier Cru, Grand Cru means really, really good wine, really, really expensive wine. Yeah, you know, we had if a— If you want to know more than that, it's time to go buy a book because y- it is it is can be pretty complicated. Yeah, but in, in general, all of those are—and there's also the, the phrase growths, which come out, and there's—it's in that listing alone. And we—you know, the, the, the five most expensive—well, well, actually, it's not true. There's a couple of those that are just as expensive, but yes. five of the most expensive wines on the planet are first-growth Bordeaux. Right. Uh, and so growth is another one that's in there. Well, growth is just the English translation of crew. Yes. I, I don't know if you knew that, Rick, but yes. I thought I'd explain it. Yeah, well, you know, you. when I— I've not had a lot of crew in my life. It's why I'm a little on the short Your side. mental crew is a little. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> so, so, Susan, buy those wines if you can afford them. They are fabulous. They are delicious. But um, as you explore areas like Bordeaux, you will discover it's just as complicated as California. Somebody makes a great wine, Chateau Bel Air. Suddenly you got 12 different Bel Air. I don't know how many different Latours are in Bordeaux. There's, of course, the famous and original Chateau Latour. There's Latour Carnet, Latour Martillac, Latour this, Latour that. Everybody wants to be close to Latour. Same thing happens here. Somebody makes a good wine. There are lots of labels that come out that look kind of like it. You just need to do your homework. And my advice for you... Go ahead. If you're going to buy this kind of wine, find a wine shop that has a selection, get to know the guy behind the counter, and work your way through it with his help to find the ones you really like. Yes, and my advice is always, I was going to add my advice to your wine shop advice, which is use technology. So you find uh-huh. one you like, take a picture of that, uh, yes. bring that to your wine shop guy and say, I liked this one. Yes. And if there's one that you don't like, take a picture of that and yes. bring it to your wine shop person. Could be a gal. This is why so many women have pictures of Rick on their phone. On the don't like side. Yes, <laughs> it's true. And it might have been that Speedo that I was walking around in. <laughs> Either that or I think it was you correcting their pronunciation. Yeah. But don't feel like you need to memorize these things. And then you'll start to find ones that you like. And eventually they start to ring true, just like you can tell the difference between Napa Valley and know that, that they are different regions like Napa and Sonoma and, yep. and that yep. sort of thing. Yep. Um, but let, let those people help you. I mean, this is a wonderful subject that we could spend an hour talking about in terms of the trivia of Bordeaux classifications, how they're done, etc. But it is exactly the wrong kind of information to be talking about in this show. Right. Go exactly, buy a book. Exactly right. And if the you do go to a wine shop and he cor- corrects your pronunciation, <laughs> go to a different <laughs> one. Um, all right. That's it for questions. When we come back, we will have a food and wine pairing for you. Stay with us. to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And we are talking food and wine pairings. And since we've been talking about online buying, okay. I, I uh, did a little research. Remember, I did some homework. Yes, you always do your homework. Yeah, I did. I did. And I looked up the most popular takeout foods. And among, way at the top, and almost I would have guessed. I would have guessed something either Chinese or pizza. Well, right. Actually, those are number one and two. 
Um, okay. But but then uh, oh, but number three that was in in the this was like in complete meals one of the so elements not in complete a meal? premier crew it would be a, a a second growth or a third growth yes <laughs> um, is uh, and so these are websites like Grubhub and Seamless and a few of those others it's yeah. mac and cheese mac and cheese macaroni and cheese yep and now, depending I, on how much spicy cheese you got on there you can have a lot but you know what I think one of the great combinations is a really great bottle. Of bubbly and mac and cheese. It's yeah, bubbly's so yeah, bubbly's almost the easy answer for so oh, many foods. Man. Yeah. Well, you know, I was saying that earlier in the show that uh, that I think that's where a buttery chardonnay comes in. Ah, yes. Okay. It's, it's the richness and the richness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But sure. you can also go the other direction, which would be more towards your, um, you know, and something something sort of bright, like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Well, see, I like the toastiness of the of the rich sparkling wine and the yeah. creaminess yeah. and then the cheese and you know what, Rick? It's lunchtime. Let's get we, the hell we, out yeah, of here. Yeah, there's a yeah, and and although you know, we, we this is another sort of food and wine principle where sometimes we also talk about. Um, remember, it's not it's it's almost less the food stuff and more the sauce and the spicing because right um, because uh, you know there can be all kinds of ways. But those are those are some some yeah, great. There's a lot of versions of mac and cheese. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Bassini, a man who does not like mac and cheese. Thank he, you, Matt. But he's a good guy anyway. He's a good guy. And thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer for you, go to rickandpaulwine.com, <laughs> all one word, or if we can't answer it. And you can find us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free with just a click on iTunes. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's be discerning about the wines that you shop for online. And when you listen to radio shows online. Definitely that. Start right here. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. Especially with us.